know the why human trafficking work is needed to fight for the freedom of modern day slaves. But love, passion, commitment isn't all you need to be an effective and successful anti-trafficking advocate. Learn the how. I'm Dr. Celia Williamson, Director of the Human Trafficking and Social Justice Institute at the University of Toledo. Welcome to the Emancipation Nation podcast where I'll provide you with the latest and best methods, policy, and practice discussed by experienced experts in the field so that you can cut through the noise, save time, and be about the work of saving lives. All right, welcome to the Emancipation Nation. And today I have Kat Jacoby, the coolest name I think I've heard in a long time. (laughs) It is a very cool name. She has a background in public relations and she is the program coordinator for Fierce Freedom. That's also a cool name. Fierce Freedom started about 12 years ago. And we're going to talk about how it got started and what they do and, you know, how a communications person and public relations person gets involved in the anti-trafficking movement. So welcome, Kat. I'm so happy that you're able to be here today. Thank you so much, Celia. I'm, I'm a huge fan of your podcast, and we definitely all listen to it around the office. And I recommend it when I give presentations. Thank you. Yes, yeah, thank you. So how did Fierce Freedom? get started some 12 years ago? So uh, basically, our executive director, Jenny Olmquist, she was a mom who had three kids who were probably, you know, middle school age, high school age. And she attended a presentation when she was traveling in Australia, which was put on by the A21 campaign. And it really changed her life. She heard stories of children that were being trafficked and enslaved and exploited. And so she just this gut-wrenching, you know, almost mama bear in her words, she says, that thinking about her own kids and thinking about what if they were coming for my kids, how would I feel about that? And I think that was 2011, 2012. She took that passion and that fire back to the state and started to educate people in the community. And so she did that actually by selling scarves. And she started a company called Fierce Beauty, designed so that she could sell scarves wholesale to people. This was her in to get her foot in the door when she's going to talk to maybe a Bible study or different church group to share about human trafficking internationally and what the impact was. As she was hearing stories and things, she was realizing this isn't just an international problem. This is happening right here. You know, this is happening domestically, even in a quote-unquote sleepy little place like, you know, Altoona, Wisconsin, where we're located. Basically, that was her way of getting her foot in the door and having conversations, but there really was nobody in this area at that time to talk about it, and so she just kept getting more and more requests, and so Fierce Beauty evolved into Fierce Freedom, which was very much more of an educational platform, which is now, you know, we've been around since then, educating the community. Yeah, and I think she's pretty fierce. So that's a fitting name. And so what yes. does Yeah, what does Fierce Freedom do because I think it's very unique and very much needed. So kind of talk to me about what you all do. Sure. The biggest part of our programming is that education piece. Again, that's the framework that is all sort of emerged from 
And so basically, we speak with thousands of people around here. We get invited into church groups, Kiwanis Club, schools, middle schools, places like that, that have, because we've been around for a while, that reputation has grown. And so we do get invited to partner with the community. So my position is actually, I do really the bulk of presentations right now. So I'll go into even a holistic mom's meeting, and I really try to gear that presentation towards those moms and how they can join the fight against human trafficking. Because something we say a lot around here is that everybody has the ability to fight human trafficking. You just have to think about what is your role? How will you use your sphere of influence to best join the fight? So we really want to equip people from every background to do that. Another thing is we have done some victim services with our jail program. So we've piloted a jail program in our local jail. And basically that's led to, you know, in the span of about a year, that's led to the identification of 15 victims actually that have come forward. Yeah, so that's something that we feel, we work with the jail liaison who's there and basically is available to connect us with those women. Right now we've only worked with women, but we, you know, really do want to open that up with a male advocate so that we can be reaching the male population because, you know, even in prisons, I was kind of doing research on this, and even in prisons, trafficking can happen and exploitation can happen within those walls, especially if you're dealing with a vulnerable population that's already, you know, addicted to drugs or has some sort of substance abuse issues, which is very likely going to be the case, you know, and many of are in prison because of drugs rather than, it's usually not necessarily a prostitution charge. However, even in the state of Wisconsin, you can actually put a person in jail under the age of 18 for prostitution. The Safe Harbor Act has been sort of moving around, moving in state legislation, uh, but we have not passed that yet. So we're we're very behind on that too. Wow. You haven't passed Safe Harbor in Wisconsin yet? No. <laughs> I actually, I use that comparison, you know, when I'm talking to people about how behind our laws are, I use Minnesota, who's our neighboring state, as sort of a, like, I compare it to that because they passed that almost 10 years ago. And so we really need to step up our game. And so we do encourage people to lobby for that. And we're part of the consortium, Wisconsin Human Trafficking Consortium. So that means that we're part of this collective of different organizations that, you know, are very much for the Safe Harbor Act and decriminalizing it for the victims, but then, you know, having harsher penalties for buying as well. And so why do you think, and I want to get back to why you're unique too, because I think, you know, promoting awareness, doing presentations, that's not really unique, but there's something unique about what Fierce Freedom does. Before I get back to that, why do you think Wisconsin has not passed Safe Harbor? It's a really good question. I mean, I wish I could be in on those meetings or hearing or talking about why. The one argument that I've heard is that at least if we're taking in youth that have been exploited or have been in that situation, have been prostituted, I guess the argument is that, well, at least they're not on the street. At least they're in jail. However, I don't think that's good enough. I really don't. Why don't we use models of the Safe Harbor Act that have worked? And why don't we see them as victims? I think it's about changing your perception to see them as a victim rather than the perpetrator and, you know, directing them to a service that's going to help them and not re-exploit them. Because, you know, again, if they're going to prison, a lot of times they are going to be re-exploited in prison. That can happen to them there. So, um, and it really doesn't set you up for success for the rest of your life. So I really do think we need to start following those models. And I guess that's the argument is that it gets them off the street 
but I think we can do better. We definitely yeah. really urge people to really contact their legislators and make it, mm-hmm. make sure that they're being almost obnoxious about it because it, it needs to happen. Yeah, I've been to uh, Wisconsin a few times and did some presentations mm-hmm. there. I always use the analogy, you know, when people say to me, well, at least, you know, if we arrest young people and we incarcerate them, at least we can keep them safe. And it's sort of like done with the best intent. But I always say to my audience when I'm doing a presentation, okay, let's say your house is burglarized while you're here at this presentation. And so when you go home, you call the police and the police come and the police say, wow, I'm really afraid for your safety. I'm afraid that these burglars are going to come back and it's going to move from a burglary to a robbery. And so I really, I need to arrest you for your own safety. Like, okay. And so how many people would say, oh, what a great idea to, you know, right. trample on my civil rights and incarcerate me for my own protection. And we do that with kids all the time under the best intentions, but we really can't incarcerate people for being a victim of a crime. Right. Right. Yeah. I, I do agree. I think consequences are, you know, for breaking the law, like that's one thing. But if the, it's a bad law, then I kind of wonder about that. And I think we need to be protecting them more. And I also think in Wisconsin, mm-hmm. I kind of wonder if it's a question of, you know, being naive or being unwilling to believe that it's even happening. Because even now we've been around for years and there's still so many people that are so, I don't want to say ignorant, but I think cho- choosing to be ignorant about it because it's just such an inconvenient truth. And so I wonder if they don't want to start identifying victims. They don't want to believe that it's happening. I mean, that's mm-hmm. just my personal belief that that's a possibility of why hasn't this happened. But again, for anybody mm-hmm. listening who's a resident of Wisconsin, I would just really encourage you even tweet at your legislators or, you know, Shared Hope International is a really great organization that kind of releases mm-hmm. those state grades. And I always check in on that. That's a really good way if you want to kind of check in on how we're doing and where we've been and where we're going too. Yeah, I think that's awesome. And you guys are standing on that wall and doing all that you can do. And now you need your legislators to step up as well. I mean, it took us in Ohio five different times trying to pass various laws. And I just didn't understand why people didn't get it. It's either right. you are for slavery or you're not for slavery. So I, that seems right. pretty easy. You know? <laughs> so, but It seems like a really easy, yeah, it's not really a quandary. It's like but, you, you can't incarcerate yeah. kids who haven't committed a crime but are indeed a victim of a crime. So um, exactly. <clears throat> I don't know why people stand confused. So I agree. We need to make some changes for sure. Yeah. So you do something at Fierce Freedom that's pretty unique because a lot of us are out there raising awareness and we're going a lot of times where we live. So where we live are big cities and urban areas. But where is Fierce Freedom going? So thank you for asking. I'd love to tell you. So like you said, we've been educating But within that, our next big push is actually to launch this really big initiative for spring of 2020. We want to equip rural America 
with the toolkit needed to take back their hometown is how we're saying it. So we want them to identify victims. We want them to educate their community. We don't want there to be this level of ignorance or I don't believe this happens here. We want people to have the toolkit and the research-based methods of things that will work. You know, it's it's estimated from the 2012 U.S. Census that there are 35,879 U.S. towns and cities. So we kind of used our springboard uh, of identifying 15 victims in the jail, and we are training with law enforcement. And so with that, we think you could reach up to 538,185 victims in one year. I mean, and of course, that that's dreaming with people. But we really want this toolkit to get in the hands of, let's say, a mom or a dad in Ohio who learn about this crime, learn about human trafficking, and want to do more, but maybe don't have the time or ability to research it and have best practices in mind. And so basically, our team is coming together to create this comprehensive toolkit. And so this is going to basically help identify victims. And it's also going to work with modules for law enforcement, the medical community, faith community, education, and the hospitality industry. So it's sort of hitting on all those different groups. And so it's going to be this comprehensive toolkit, the first video basically. So it's going to have video presentations that we're putting together with corresponding workbooks. And then there will also be coaching with our staff if there's any other questions. Then there's also going to be downloadable online resources. So something for law enforcement, for example, that could be helpful for them is what are some signs to look for at a traffic stop or the medical community? What are some warning signs to look for in an emergency room? Because so many victims, there's a very high percentage that end up in emergency room situations or in clinics. So there's going to be current research and statistics that we're working on, and we really want to, you know, take from studies that have been done, but also conducting our own studies by partnering with our local university as well. We want to get this toolkit into the hands of, you know, rural America, because I think that a lot of times funding goes towards those larger areas like Milwaukee. You know, Milwaukee is really well known for trafficking in Wisconsin, but what about somewhere that's much smaller and doesn't have that attention drawn to it. So, you know, essentially that's kind of our heart is rural America because it seems like nobody's really focusing on that and it gets lost. And so that's why we're thinking, well, what can we do? How can we develop a comprehensive uh, initiative that's going to basically get in the hands of that, that community? And so, you know, let's say there's a mom or dad who's in Iowa and they're thinking, okay, well, my law enforcement doesn't know about this. They can send them the link and say, this is a really amazing training that can help equip your staff and train your staff to help identify victims rather than just thinking of them as a perpetrator. And same with the medical community and the edu- you know, education for teachers and hospitality industry and faith communities as well. Basically, they'll have the ability to, we are going to have a video in the beginning that's just for anybody. And that's, you know, that's going to be free. Uh, and that's going to explain the triangulated process of the victims, the buyers, and the traffickers and how that's sort of interlaced and interwoven and just to explain human trafficking generally and then from there you know if you like that video then you have the ability to say okay i'd also like to purchase this toolkit for 
you know, the faith community or something and share that with my Bible study or send this link. So basically, yeah, we're we're creating this comprehensive, this kit for anybody who wants to take what we've what we've done and the model that has worked for us in a ready-made format and just use that to take back their own hometown. I think that is awesome. And I love it that you all are the genuine article because Altoona has 67,000 people. Yeah. So um, I think 67,000 is Eau Claire, which is right on the cusp of where we live. But then I think Altoona is even smaller. And then we're surrounded by rural communities just around us. That's where we go speak a lot. It's just these really small little areas that nobody's, nobody's paying attention to. Yeah, I think that is so cool. And so do you know yet how much this tool kit might cost if a community wanted to purchase it? We honestly um, haven't really talked numbers yet, but we want it to be affordable enough for somebody who just wants to, you know, take this to their hometown. So as of yet, we haven't really talked numbers yet. Again, we do want this to be covering our costs, but we also yes. want to get this in the hands of people. <laughs> Definitely, we want it to be affordable. Absolutely. And so you all have an event coming up. What's that yes. about? We have somebody in the community who kind of is a mover and shaker, and he has a lot of different connections. And so he wanted to put on this huge event at the Pablo Center, which is our new art building uh, in our downtown area in, in Eau Claire. You know, we're right on the cusp of that. And basically, this is this beautiful, huge building sitting on the river. And, you know, what I love about it, too, and even this community is there's a lot of storytelling that goes on here. And people, we have a lot of writers and poets and musicians that are a very well known community of arts. And it's very much celebrated with this art center. And so my thought is, what about the stories of exploitation and abuse and enslavement that are happening? That's part of the collective narrative. And so we need to be telling the whole story. We want this event to be just a really huge night of telling stories. And so we're going to have two speakers come. Neither have confirmed yet, but uh, both have been very impacted by trafficking. And we want them to share their story and how it's impacted them just even in with Wisconsin, because they're both from, you know, similar small areas. And then also just inviting a panel with law enforcement to come. So basically, the community can understand what we're doing. And we're going to be plugging this new initiative that we're working on, maybe the first time for somebody who has been trafficked or just has never heard about this to really hear more and tell that story, just which is so important, because this community really has collectively come together in the past. We want to encourage them to, you know, help those who are in our area to give them a hand because the rising tide lifts all boats. And we really want everybody to think, you know, this is something that does affect me. This is something that I want to join in and help fight. Yeah, um, yeah that so that event's going to invite the whole community. We're hoping a couple hundred people are going to show up. You know, if you're in Wisconsin, if you're in this area, it will be taking place January 11th, which is Human Trafficking Awareness Day. So we thought it was very relevant to have it then. Good. I love that you all are wise enough to embed something that already exists in the culture and in the community and not create right. something brand new, but be smart enough to embed it so that people can receive that message. And so, yeah. so what's the future hold 
for fierce freedom? We will always go back to education and having conversations with people and encouraging and equipping them. But again, I think with this new initiative, we're hoping that that will help us go from a locally known entity to more of a nationally branded organization that mm -hmm. can be looked to for excellent research and just best practices, as well as just really specific training for whatever group we're going towards. That is the hope is really kind of coming together to be more nationally known and recognized. And mm -hmm. again, we, we will never forget our roots. And that is so important, I think, to any organization. Again, our heart is with rural America and really making sure that each person has the tools that they need in their tool belt to be equipped against exploitation. So we're always going to keep a toe in the door, you know, keep ourselves rooted in that. However, we want to send that message to America and those other rural communities that don't really have the resources near them. We want to equip them and yeah, I guess be nationally recognized for that. That's excellent. What does the future hold for Kat Jacoby? You know, I've gotten a taste for anti-trafficking and helping people and my background was public relations, but once you start doing this kind of work, it it is so rewarding. You know, I was talking with a survivor of trafficking yesterday and I was able to really speak into her and just say, you are so much more than your past. And she was crying and she said, no one's ever said that to me before. That is, that's the impact that we're making. So we've worked with the nearly 60 victims locally and each of their stories really does have such an impact. And so even if it's one person, that's worth the fight. And that's why we're here and that's why we're continuing it because we really want the those people to find true healing. And so for me, I feel like I've gotten a taste for it. So I'm definitely going to always want to work with populations that need that hand up out of the mud. I feel like I learn a lot from them too. It's actually really humbling to work with that population. I don't think I'm going to make a career change anytime soon. Yeah, I think you are in the right field for sure. And I think public relations, that takes on a whole new meaning when we say public relations yeah. and communication. Right. I feel like I'm using my background to bring more notoriety and to bring more of that attention to fierce freedom and even sharing our executive director she was an interior design major I, I don't think that anyone should feel like that they are disqualified to fight human trafficking because they don't have the educational background please don't disqualify yourself if you're listening to this you need to take that fire in your belly and you need to do something with it because it's a huge problem and we need everybody to come together absolutely and i think you know you all are doing some interior designing and you're helping the community mm -hmm. to find the fire in their belly to get involved as well in these rural towns all across America. So I wish yeah. you luck and it's so awesome and I'm so blessed that I found you all or you found us and that <laughs> freedom exists. So thank you, yep. Kat Jacoby. I appreciate your time. Thank you so much. I'm very honored to be here and just thank you so much for all the work that you do, highlighting these stories and the work of professionals in the field. It's so good to hear of other people that are also joining the fight too. Thank you very much, Celia. Yeah, we'll talk soon. All Thanks. right. Kat and Jenny are doing great work in their community in Wisconsin and beginning to branch out across the U.S. If you're living in a smaller community and trying to bring awareness to your area of the world, contact Kat and Jenny. They have the spirit of an advocate. An interior designer and public relations major? Ah, but the question wasn't who's going to let them get into anti-trafficking work. The question was who's going to stop them. They're meeting a very real need, getting into those communities we often forget about. To those who might question 
why a public relations or interior designer should be involved? For those of you who think anti-trafficking work is only for a few select trained professionals, let me remind you to look at the survivors you have and what they still need, the communities you work in, and the education they still need, and the professionals you work with, and the tools they still need. We need all hands on deck. We need all the flowers in the field to make the garden we want. And we need all the soldiers in the fight to win the war. Let's not just do something, let's do the best thing. If you like this episode of Emancipation Nation, please subscribe and I'll send you the weekly podcast. Until then, the fight continues.